The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Vandenberg, end zone, touchdown! Krager Kobo was wide open. Only the sixth touchdown pass all season for Iowa against the number one passing defense in the nation in Michigan. 16 yards and Vandenberg seven of eight so far. When you have a running game with Mark Weissman, all of a sudden it's amazing how good your passing game becomes and play action with the kinds of tight ends that Iowa has and an accurate quarterback in James Vandenberg can be deadly. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters notebook segments in this podcast. This features Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' road loss at Michigan. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten Coaches Call. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include regulars Marv Cook and Brent Balbinet, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with announcers Dave Pash and Brian Greasy. They did a nice job. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. Here's some of what he had to say about Big Ten expansion and its impact on conference traditions, about playing the Nebraska games on Fridays instead of the weekend, and on the rivalry with Nebraska. You know, I haven't thought too much about it. I, I didn't uh, catch one of it really till late in the weekend. You know, I, I think, first of all, it's a sign of the times. You know, clearly the landscape in college football has changed very dramatically in the last 20 years, and I think this is a... <clears throat> continuation of that. Basically, the thing I can tell you is that I think that the, the people that make those decisions in our conference do a fantastic job. Uh, we've got great leadership starting with Commissioner Delaney, and yeah, I think uh, overall it's going to be the, the best thing for our conference, uh, just like adding Penn State years ago and now Nebraska most recently uh, have proven to be good for the conference. Uh, it's just the way uh, college football is transitioning, and uh, you know, I think uh, people, you know, my, not that I'm a great barometer, but it seems like everybody just kind of rolls with the flow, and you know, it's happened in a lot of conferences where there's been change and uh you know so you just kind of roll with the flow and and uh you know go with it the game is scheduled Friday, so, you know, we haven't had much time to think about anything other than just trying to get ready for it, and uh, we'll have a lot to think about after the season's over, so that'll be one thing on the list, but uh, you know, right now it's uh, we're playing Friday at 11 o'clock, and we're, we're excited about that, and I have a lot of work to do. We're, we're going to do our best to get ready for this ball game, knowing that we're yeah, playing an outstanding football team. Nebraska's really good. You know, we've seen them on film during the course of the year uh, against other opponents, and, you know, they're, just, they're playing at a very, very high level. they got good players. They're well-coached, and uh, most importantly, they play well on Saturday. So that's, uh, we're very, very impressed with them. You know, it's, it's 
called that for obvious reasons. We're border uh, rivals, what have you. you know, I think we played a four-game series. I'm correct in saying, I think I'm correct in saying that back uh, late 70s, early 80s. Two-year series, uh, you know, I think 99 and 2000. And then, uh, you know, this is the second game of what will be a long-standing series. So, yeah, it's not, it's not quite like, uh, you know, the, the uh, Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry through the 70s, 80s, etc. But, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense. I thought that was part of the, the uh, attractiveness uh, with the expansion. It was great for our conference, but certainly it affected us and uh, made perfect sense that way. So, you know, that, that's kind of where it's at right now, and I think it uh, should grow into a great series. Taking a quick look back at some game notes and key stats, Michigan's seniors exacted revenge on the Hawkeyes Saturday in Ann Arbor, breaking their three-game losing streak to Iowa in a completely dominating fashion. The Wolverines scored six touchdowns in their first six offensive series. Iowa's defense looked completely helpless most of the day and surrendered one big play after another. Iowa's offense played a bit better than in recent weeks, but it wasn't remotely enough to stay in contention. The Hawkeyes' losing streak has now stretched to five games. A losing season is guaranteed for the first time since 2000, and there will be no bowl game. And the prospects look grim in the season ender against Nebraska, which comes into Kinnick Stadium on Black Friday with the best overall offense in the Big Ten. Greg Davis and James Vandenberg did rediscover Iowa's tight ends in this game. C.J. Fedorowicz caught a career-high eight passes for 99 yards, and Henry Krager Koble started for the first time in his career. He caught three passes, including one for a touchdown. Iowa's wide receivers completely disappeared against Michigan. They only had one ball thrown in their direction before midway in the fourth quarter. Running back Mark Wiseman returned to the starting lineup with 16 rushes for 63 yards, and he caught three passes, including the first touchdown reception of his career. Micah Hyde intercepted his first pass of the season, and Iowa upped its Big Ten leading turnover margin to plus 12. Mike Meyer converted his only field goal attempt of the day, a 27-yarder, and he extended his school record P.A. Streak to 80. The Hawkeyes also played in front of its largest road crowd in program history. Attendance in Michigan Stadium was 113,061. The previous record was also set in Ann Arbor in 2010. Key stats include first downs, Michigan 23 to Iowa 17. Rushing, Michigan had 199 yards to Iowa's 128. Passing complete domination by the Wolverines, 314 yards to the Hawkeyes 181. Total offense, Iowa only managed 309 yards to Michigan's 513. Iowa's defense has now surrendered nearly 2,500 yards to opposing offenses in the last five games. Iowa was only 6 of 14 in third down conversions, and it had three three and outs. Michigan, on the other hand, 9 of 12, plus 2 of 2 in fourth down conversions. Iowa had no pressure all day long on Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner. It had no sacks and not a single tackle for loss. Michigan, on the other hand, sacked Vandenberg twice and garnered eight tackles for loss. (laughs) 
Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows, this with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter, at Susan Dank. Susan looks back at the Michigan game and more. Susan, we're finally winding down the end of the season here, and it's gone from bad to worse. Last Saturday, Iowa played its first game against a ranked opponent, and after that game, the Hawkeyes are sitting with their first five-game losing streak in the Big Ten since 1999, the first five-game losing streak overall since 2000, first regular season losing record since they were 3-9 and nine in 2000, not bowl eligible for the first time since 2000, and no bowl game for the first time since 2007. That's a long list of things that have not gone right this season. <laughs> you know, early on, they got there, they had, you know, immediately a penalty on offense, their first play, but then their next two possessions, they really looked like maybe they could be doing something. Um, they moved the ball well, you know, touchdown on that next possession, you know, and then they had to settle for the field goal on the next one, but it looked like maybe they could start, you know, maybe got that offense back on track a little bit and maybe could be doing something, and then it just went away, and with no defensive help, it was just a long game. That game was almost unfair. I mean, it, it was such an egregious mismatch. The talent gap there between Iowa and Michigan is obviously enormous, and unfortunately for the Hawkeyes, it looks like they have a talent gap with Indiana and Purdue and other teams as well, but Michigan's just loaded with playmakers, and Iowa's nearly bereft of them right now, or at least that's what it seems like. And if you ever wanted to watch a game where you saw the impact of speed or the lack of speed, especially at the skill positions, last Saturday was your game. It was just amazing watching Michigan and the players that they have just all over that field. Um, You know, Denard Robinson played very little at quarterback, but his impact was just incredible. Anywhere else he was, he was a starting running back. He played some receiver. He did line up a quarterback, but he didn't throw it. But just everything he can do with his feet and then Devin Gardner just with his arm and, and, you know, just everybody, the running backs, the receivers, it really was just, if you weren't an Iowa fan and... You know, you just wanted to watch some good, talented players. They certainly are on the Michigan sideline. Iowa's defense, which, you know, I realize it's nicked up now. You know, they have some injuries, but those injuries can't not possibly explain what's happened to this defense prior to the last five games. They looked like they were improving every game, especially in second halves. They were actually probably one of the better defenses in the conference at that point. And then they've gone to hell in a handbasket since then. Last five games, they're giving up an average of 31.8 points and 482.6 yards a game. The previous four games prior to the Michigan game, that was 475 yards a game. The Wolverines got 513. That's nearly 2,500 yards in five games surrendered by a Big Ten defense. You kind of wonder what happened to them, where they went, where they left on a bus somewhere, on an airplane trip. It, it you just There's no explanation for it that I've been able to come up with. Yes, recently they have been nicked up uh, James Morris did not start against Michigan. He did play. Anthony Hitchens did not play at all. So they are a little nicked up, but it's just like the, the defense has completely gone away. The the number of big plays that they are giving up is just incredible. Uh, Michigan had 12 plays of 15 or more yards. And when you look down the list of these big plays, I mean, they had 40 yards, 37, 51, 29, 31. It was, it was just crazy. And third downs, Michigan was 9 of 12. You just you you can't let a team on third down move those chains, you know, especially the way they were doing it. You know, Michigan had third and seventeen, they had thirty seven yard gain. They're third and ten, eighteen yards. I mean 
just these big, huge chunks of yardage over and over and over again, and there was nothing Iowa could do to stop them. Yeah, and, and uh, in addition to the nine third-down conversions, they had two more fourth-down conversions. So the 42 points is the most given up by Iowa in this season, and frankly, the most given up in a regulation game since 2004 versus Arizona State and 99 in a Big Ten contest since Michigan State bend but don't break has now become been broken, crashed, and burned. I keep going back to the pass rush. It was, you know, it's been weak all year long, but in this game, it was literally non-existent. And it looked at times, actually more times than not, that Devin Gardner was just back there toying with them. There was one play and none of us up in the press box were actually counting. He had to have... 11 seconds. Well, 11 seconds, is that what it was? (laughs) (laughs) That he was back there running around. I guess we could say that Iowa at least had everybody covered and he had no one to throw it to, but he had so much time there was no one to pressure him. He just ran around back there like he had all day. It, it, was, it was just incredible that nobody could even get close to him at all during that game. Brian Greasy said that was the longest he's ever seen a quarterback in the pros or college have to decide whether to pass or run on a play. Do you recall a blitz? I'm, I was sitting here preparing for our conversation and thinking back, and I, I suppose I'll have to go back and watch the video again, God forbid, but do you recall a single blitz? I do seem to recall that, that Iowa blitzed at least once. Obviously, it wasn't memorable, and, and they didn't actually get to Gardner, and you know nothing really happened from it, but I do believe they tried it at least once. Saturday was also the, the most, I think, I recall seeing, at least in recent memory, so much confusion in the defensive backfield for Iowa. It was like the cornerbacks and the linebackers and the safeties weren't even remotely, they were not just on, not on the same page, they weren't even in the same book in terms of handing off and who thought who was going to cover and pick up a receiver and so forth. Is that about the worst? You remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wonder if that wasn't partially both Hitchens and Morris being out, you know, and Morris obviously not being 100%. I mean, he comes into press conferences after games and he can, he can barely walk. He just looks horrible. So I wonder if, you know, those guys being out, you have, you know, Nico Law, who is a young player. Uh, you have some of these other guys that maybe they don't have that communication, but you you think this point in the season, even the younger guys, this would have developed, but maybe just having their leaders not on the field maybe affected that. Do you remember our conversation after the first four or five games where even when Iowa was playing well and they won you know, most of those, we kept talking about the fact that there were receivers wide open that the opposing quarterbacks weren't hitting. So I don't know if that's just a continuation of that, but one thing was clear. Back to the speed comment, Michigan's receivers in several cases were open like 5, 10, 12 yards, and especially Iowa's safeties didn't have a prayer trying to keep up with them. They didn't. You know, and after watching Micah Hyde chase down Venrick Mark uh, against Northwestern a few weeks ago, you thought at least Micah had some speed there. You know, but, but those receivers for Michigan are just so talented and so good. I mean, there were several times that, that you know, Gardner threw down there, and Iowa really had those receivers covered pretty well, and they just made amazing catches, you know, over the defense and went for, for huge gains, and there was just nothing that Iowa could do against them. Yeah, one of them to Jeremy Gallon was one of the prettiest pass plays I've seen all year by any team, and between Gallon and then Roy Roundtree, they caught 10 passes for 216 
15 yards, and as you alluded to earlier, they both made some big plays. Even more alarming was Michigan played most of this game without their starting running back, Fitz Toussaint, who suffered a broken leg in the first half. And he was playing really well before that. He only had three carries, but he had 31 yards on those three carries. And who knows what would have happened if he would have stayed in the game. But Denard Robinson, you know, really stepped up. You know, like I said, he was the, the starting tailback in the game. He ran for 98 yards, and, and Iowa just couldn't do anything about it. He just seemed to be able to run wherever he wanted. And the Hawkeyes, you know, couldn't tackle him. He broke tackle several times. He just ran right by and around defender several times. And it, it really, watching it, you know, part of you wanted to say, wow, that is just an amazing play that Denard is making. And then you cringed that Iowa could not make the plays on him. Now, six touchdowns by Michigan on their first six possessions, and they all looked easy. Again, another case of a dual-threat quarterback, and nearly every team but Iowa seems to be able to recruit one or more of those, that makes your offense so much more of a threat, far less predictable, and way more difficult to defend. You know, I admit that I had not watched any video or seen anything of Devin Gardner. I obviously knew what Denard Robinson was capable of. Watching, you know, Gardner, it was just amazing. He had a hand in all six of those touchdowns. He ran for three. He threw for three. And like you said, Iowa just cannot stop these guys, you know, whether it's, you know, at Iowa State or Northwestern or wherever it is. If you got a guy who is capable of running the football or or passing it, they just really don't have a clue on how to stop them. Yeah, he ended up with a pass efficiency rating of 227.28. Another week, too, where, and it's now six of the last seven weeks, where one or more Big Ten players of the week came from Iowa's last opponent. I suspect Nebraska's salivating at this opportunity. This week it was Gardner and freshman linebacker James Ross III. Gardner became only the sixth player in the FBS since 2000 to throw for 300 yards, pass for three TDs, run for three Ds, and the first Michigan player to account for six TDs in a game since Steve Smith all the way back in 1983. Pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing considering all the talent and all the players that have gone through Michigan. Let's uh, switch gears here and talk about Iowa's offense, and it's kind of a sad commentary also on the season to think that uh, an Iowa offense that netted 309 yards and 17 points didn't look so bad. But uh, that's, on the other hand, through three quarters, Iowa had only gained 164 yards on 36 plays. So a lot of the same old problems there. But Vandenberg played a solid game. Most interesting thing, I think, in most of the conversation has focused on in the 11th game of the season, someone, Greg Davis or Vandenberg, seemed to discover Iowa had tight ends. That was absolutely amazing. You know, for weeks, everybody's been talking about where are these tight ends. Iowa is known for its tight end play and, you know, the tight ends who have gone on and played in the NFL, and they were just not around. They didn't seem to be anywhere in the offense, and then all of a sudden, there they are. I mean, it was late in the game before a wide receiver caught a pass, and I think up until the fourth quarter, they were only targeted one time. But the tight ends are just doing a great job on C.J. Fedorowicz, 99 yards on eight catches. Uh, Henry Krieger Koble with his his first catch, he started, had his first catch, had his first career touchdown, and they were you know they were just doing such a great job. And the receivers who hadn't been doing much of anything the last few weeks, you know, really weren't there. So it was nice to see those tight ends involved, and it will be interesting to see if they remain involved in the offense Friday against Nebraska, or if they'll just go missing again. It, this will, I'm sure, 
Marv Cook's excited because this has been a burr up under his saddle here all season long, the failure to, to uh, throw to the tight ends. But it's like you went from one extreme to the other. You just mentioned the first wideout who caught a pass for Iowa. That came by uh, Martin Manley with 8-11 left in the fourth quarter. Keenan Davis wasn't it didn't even get thrown at. Now, it's one thing to discover your tight ends. It's another in the same game to completely lose your wide receivers. I don't see how you're going to have any sustained success without more balance. It was very interesting that they went from one extreme to the other. I think Tavon Smith was the only receiver who was even targeted anywhere before the fourth quarter, and you know that fell incomplete. But they absolutely have to go back and find Martin Manley and find Keenan Davis and, and do some more and pass it around a little bit more if, if they want to try to, uh, to beat this Nebraska defense. More from Susan Dank after this break. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback have more time in the pocket than that last play. That must have been 10, 11 seconds. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Susan Dank. She talks more Iowa offense, special teams, and peeks ahead at Nebraska. It's still an issue of consistency for Iowa. I mean, they showed some flashes uh, a week ago versus Purdue. They showed some flashes, some long, sustained drives this past Saturday versus Michigan. But the same problem that's been there all year long, woeful third-down conversion rates, three of, uh, six of 14 against the Wolverines. Plus, they had three more three-and-outs, and, and without more more consistency than that you're not you're not gonna you're not going to win many games especially when your defense is struggling so much you need to stay on the field a bit longer and, and that's something that I know Vandenberg has brought up in the Tuesday press conferences about you know consistency and and you know along with execution those are the two big buzzwords you need to execute but you also need to consistently make those plays and execute if you're going to sustain those drives and, and put points on the board you know it was good to see Mark Weisman come back with Damon Bullock out 
you know, he probably had one of his worst games, but he hasn't played for quite a while, and Michigan has a pretty good defense. He went for 63 yards on 16 rushes, and then they actually put Greg Garman in. You know, he ran a little bit and, and looked okay, but then, as Kirk said after the game, too, you know, you could tell he is a young player and still has a long ways to go. So, you know, the whole big combination of a whole bunch of things there and just putting that all together, and we I don't know that we've seen that yet this year, where they've put everything together. They've got that rushing game for some games. Passing has been so spotty. You know, the tight ends were absent. All the tight ends are here, but there are no wide receivers. It would be nice to see their last game of the year, senior day, to go out and put it all together for one game. Yeah, Weissman also caught a TD pass, so it'll be interesting to see whether or not Bullock comes back from, I believe it's a deep back burst, they called it, where you might actually see for the first time all year, maybe Bullock and Wiseman in the backfield at the same time as running backs as opposed to Wiseman as a fullback. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I mean, they, they keep talking about if they get them back together, about putting them in there together. Kirk seems to have a reluctance to do that, you know, even though he talks about doing that. So it, it would be very interesting to see if they if Bullock is available to come back, you know, how they use both of those, those backs. Some irony here, the last two or three seasons, you've seen Iowa special teams struggle, and all of a sudden, amidst the carnage of the defense and the lack of improvement in the offense, the one semi-shining aspect of the game right now is Iowa special teams in nearly every phase, and particularly Jordan Cotton, Iowa averaged 24.8 yards on kick returns last week. Jordan continues to just look great. I just, you know, he's already returned one for a touchdown, I just keep waiting for more, because he just looks, every time he gets the ball, you think he has a chance to, to go the distance. And, he, you know, it's just it's the one exciting part of this football team right now is just to think, okay, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to be able to break one? You know, is he going to give this offense good field position, which they so, so badly need? And then, you know, Mike Meyer again comes in and he only had one field goal attempt, but it's 27 yards, but it was good. And he just continues to, to really be a solid performer for Iowa. Given everything else that's gone on here, you're looking now, since Ferentz signed his team, 10-year contract extension in 2010, Iowa is not, including bowl games, is 19 and 18 overall, but the perhaps the most troubling aspect of the record since then is there it's only 10 and 13 in Big Ten games. Wow, I hadn't sat there and, and broken down those numbers, and that's really surprising. You know, obviously they're having a down year. Um, people had much higher expectations of this team, even though you knew there were going to be some struggles. But you figure to be a, you know, a typical fairness team where they kind of started slowly and, and then they won some games they weren't supposed to win and, and just keep making improvements. And this team, it just seems every week kind of goes backwards. And it, it's it's really unusual for a Ferris team to do that. And maybe it's, it's come from all the changes in staff because during his entire tenure, he has not had that where he's had to replace so many coaches and, and coordinators and everything else. And maybe just the whole change in dynamic has, has kind of affected all of that. Yeah, and the 10 and 13 in Big Ten results is before the Nebraska game this this week, so might be worse. But I mean, ultimately, your 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 bowl selections and so forth all key off of your your conference record. And I guess maybe people should have paid more attention when Ferentz said back at Big Ten media days in Chicago that.
that they could win every game on their schedule or they could lose every game on their schedule. It's hard to pay attention to him when he says that because that's pretty much his, you know, his thing every year. Coach speak. <laughs> so he, yeah, it's coach speak, and he always, you know, the the you know we're not the sexy team and and all that and downplaying what they have. And unfortunately, this year, you know, some of that stuff has, has really come true. Yeah, speaking of coach speak and press conferences, you've been around now covering this team for several years, and and in the press box on Saturday, the sports information people ran around and announced to everybody that the long-standing tradition, all the way back to the Hayden Fry years, of the little post-presser, presser on the side sessions, is ended, and no explanation given. Any thoughts from your perspective? I can kind of see it, you know, both ways. Sometimes they annoyed me, you know, if you have a question to ask, ask the question, but yet at the same time, you know, if there were things that maybe weren't a big topic or just something you needed for a certain story, you know, it was nice to have that little talk on the side where you could maybe ask it and it wasn't in such a huge group where you were wasting somebody's time on something that, you know, they didn't care about. You know, so it's kind of nice to have that too. It's just going to make us ask our questions during the the main press conference and, you know, get everything out of the way there. Um, That'll probably make those press conferences a bit longer. I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe Kirk won't like that and, you know, maybe that'll be resurrected at some point in the future. You know, but there have been times, especially, you know, the seasons where a number of players get in trouble and leave the team or dismissed or, or whatever. I mean, there have been plenty of times that, you know, I think he could have ended it and maybe should have ended it in some of those times when all those questions were being asked. But, you know, I don't know if it has anything to do with the winning season, losing season or anything else. Since you usually do the game reviews and we don't ask you to make a prediction for the following week's game, you want to take a shot at this one on Friday? Oh, do I want to take a shot at this one? <laughs> I just, and I think I say it every week, I think I just keep waiting for the Iowa, you know, Kirk Ferentz coach team to show up at some point. You know, even when they're having, you know, a down season, they always seem to show up for a game or two that they maybe aren't supposed to, or, you know, they've had all these, these bad losses or, you know, really close wins. And then all of a sudden they show up and just have a really good game night. Just every week keep waiting for that. And I just, I don't know if it's going to happen. So I don't know that I could pick Iowa to win this week because I know, you know, Nebraska has a lot to, to play for right now. I just, I think Nebraska's going to win it because I don't feel that this Iowa team that, you know, has what it takes to be able to, to beat Nebraska this season. And if, you know, James Morris doesn't play and Hitchens doesn't come back and, you know, some of these other guys are still banged up, I just don't know if they can do it. Well, there is one little faint hope out there right now with Maryland and Rutgers joining the Big Ten and Illinois apparently moving to the Legends Division. There's hope. There's hope. We shall see what happens in the future. That's it. I'm out of here. That's fourth and two, so they're going to bring on Mike Meyer. 16 of 19 on the season. Only a 27-yard try, and he puts it through. So Iowa gets points after another good drive. Vandenberg, though, stops short. You see the Michigan hats flying to the football to keep him from getting the first down. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. (laughs) 
Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Susan Dank all season long. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.